Big news for anyone who loves the history of D-Day. Matt McLaughlin Battlefield Tours has just launched a brand new tour that visits the D-Day beaches and lots of other sites in rural France, and all from the comfort of a luxurious cruise on the Seine River. Now, we ran this tour in 2024, and it was a huge success. It sold out in a matter of weeks. So now we've rolled it out again for 2025. But this time, there'll be three departures in June, July, and September, giving you three times the opportunity to join us. The cruise is on board the luxurious Armadeus Diamond and begins and ends in Paris. Over eight days, you'll enjoy the history, scenery, and culture of the beautiful Seine River, But as an exclusive offering just for our passengers, you'll enjoy two full days touring the D-Day landing beaches in both the US and British sectors, plus daily seminars on board the ship that unpack the history of D-Day. And like all our tours, you'll be hosted by one of our expert historians who'll bring the story of D-Day to life. And if you've been on one of our tours before, you'll know that our historians really are the best there is. This is an exclusive cruise and places are extremely limited. Visit battlefields.com.au to book your place today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Amazing. We are on the battlefields, Pete. We are here. We're in Belgium. We're sitting in the wonderful town of Ypres, which we love. Uh, we have a beer in hand. Let's uh, let's yeah, do a yeah. cheers, this so people know that we're actually here. That was cheers. Didn't, didn't sound great, but no. trust me, you get the idea. Wipers times, wipers times, a wipers beer. times beer in our hands. We've had an amazing day in the battlefields. We are on the signature tour, the Matt and Pete signature tour, and we just wanted to do, like we did last year, a breakdown of our great day. Pete, brilliant first day, I think. It was good. It was good. The coach turned up. Always a good thing when the coach turns up. Uh, Nice drive out of Paris onto the motorway, A1, uh, heading north, and first stop services uh, on the... Uh, <laughs> well, no, it's important. Cause it wouldn't be a podcast if Pete didn't talk about going to the no. toilet. No, the services on the uh, the A1 at uh, Asvilliers, very important, because it's on the Australian battlefield. So we start even our stops on the motorway, Australian battlefield, straight off. It's been a good day, and I should say right off the bat, we have a special guest joining us on the podcast. I'm going to move your beer out of the way so we can get a microphone no, there. I'll hold it. Uh, probably our favourite passenger. No offence to our other passengers, but it's our, our special guest is Andrew Bellamy, who has done more tours. I think he's our number one repeat guest. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, Andrew, say hello to all the listeners. Uh, good evening, listeners. <laughs> That's Andrew Bellamy. So we're going to be passing a microphone around here a little bit, but... We needed Andrew to come in because one of the things we did today was quite exceptional and is Andrew's specialty. He knows more about this than I'd say anyone else, and we'll get to that in a minute. But 
Pete, our day. We left the gloom of Paris. It was raining. It was a not a good day. We headed out. You're right. We stopped at Ars Villas for um to get supplies. <laughs> And then the, I, I should say to people that the beautiful thing about the first day of the tour is the agenda is basically get from Paris to Ypres, which is a few hours up across the Belgian border. And so because it's our signature tour, because we want to make this different and interesting, we basically just do things that we want to do on the way up there. And today that started with going to some 1918 battlefields that don't often get visited. It does indeed, but we had a worse, uh, for myself, uh, something worse before that was the realisation in the rain that I'd left my waterproof jacket in the hold luggage, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, in the coach, and I didn't have access to it. But thankfully, the rain, by the time we got to our first pause of call, the rain had uh, had stopped. Almost as if we planned it. It was. Yeah, it was. And our first port of call was, okay, I'm going to mangle the pronunciation. Actually, Pete, I'd like you no, to pronounce no, it. No, no, I can't. You do listeners, it. listeners well know. You do it. How no, you I'm do it. Okay. So it's, well, to the Aussies, it would have been Vix Berquin. And I think in French it's something like Vaubercan, something like that. Sounds good. I'm, I'm going to go with that. It's V-I-E-U-X hyphen B-E-R-Q-U-I-N. But the point is, ignoring the pronunciation and the mangling of the pronunciation, mm. this is an overlooked part of the battlefields. And that term gets used too much, the forgotten battle. Yeah. But in 1918, when the Germans were charging through and threatening to break through the whole line, the Australians did some good work. Not on their own, but... In certain areas, they did good work holding up the Germans, most famously at Villers Bretno, but also up in the north near Hasbrook. Yeah, and for me, it's it's fascinating because uh, almost nobody goes there, and, and I mean nobody. Um, you know, Australian First Division fighting there, forgotten, completely forgotten. So to actually take a coachload of clients there uh, and to uh, have a, a quick exploration of that town that uh, Matt just pronounced. <laughs> we'll call uh, it Dick's Berkwin. Yeah, that's one. Uh, yeah, great. And there's a, there's a very memorable plaque in the middle of the town. Uh, well, that's the thing. The French yeah. people who get a bad rap for often not remembering actions in their areas yeah. do remember. There's a plaque on the yeah. wall of the town hall recording they shall not pass, the Australians at, yeah. uh, at, at Vicks Berkwin. Yeah, and particularly seventh and eighth battalion. Yes, yep. that's correct. So, yeah. uh, so literally linking in the in the town square. So, uh, shout out to our Victorian listeners, Victorian yep. battalions. Yeah. So, so a really, really good stop, and one that uh, fe- that's the first group of Australian clients I've ever taken there. So, it's only the uh, second time I've ever been to this yep. place. Yeah. I went once when I was writing my book, Walking with the Anzacs, and that was in two thousand and five. And now, you know, a solid eighteen years yeah. later, I've gone back for the yeah. second time, and. Um, it's yeah. I mean, the the, the oft used statistic, but it's worth repeating, is that the two battalions, who were at about half strength, so say a thousand men, between the two battalions, held a thirteen kilometer front against yeah. the Germans. And we were discussing this, Pete. If if things were going well and you were setting up a defensive line, how many men would you normally have across thirteen kilometers to to try and hold it? And I I think. I think it'd be a couple of divisions. I yeah. think you're talking 20,000 yeah. men you would yeah. have. You can imagine the guys here that are, that are spread across this area having to shout to each other to cover the area that they're, they're, they're defending. So extraordinarily thin on the on the ground. But they did it. They held off the Germans yeah, for 24 hours, which brought enough time for reinforcements to come up, and it was a great victory. Yeah. And it's recorded you know, fairly fairly uh, modestly with that plaque yeah, in the yeah. town hall. Yeah. Um, but it's a great place, and it's a very Australian area. The, the road between Vicksburgwin and La Motte-Abois the little village down the road yeah. is the the road is called the Rue de Bois, and that is basically an Australian. Uh, you know, the, the Australians were up and down that road throughout that early part of 1918. This is an Australian sector where yeah. the Australians defended, the Australians made their own. So it was a great place to go with the with the tour group. It was a, a great place to go. And there were some 
other extraordinary things that we did there, and one of them involves a pissoir. <laughs> if nobody knows what a, a pissoir is, it's kind of like an outside toilet, and some of the some of the chaps on the tour uh, took advantage of using it. I did just because I had to, because it's so open to the elements. You're basically standing there waving to the local residents while you do your business. I had to give it a go. It's so French. Uh, the other thing I should say about the town, uh, Andrew here, uh, Andrew Bellamy, um, we'd actually been here before several times, and it is possibly the worst coffee we've ever drunk in the world in that square as well. It's a little, little bar. So anybody that goes there, then please call into the bar. But give them is, some of your money. It is um, called an estamina. Estamina, indeed. The old, the old word, almost dying out in this area, one that's used you know, the troops uh, here in 1418. Estamina is where they went for their egg and chips and their, uh, and their beer or uh, vin blanc, plonk, uh, that they will uh, also have. But Andrew and I went in for a coffee. Yep, cheapest. Coffee we've ever had in France, but also the worst. That's uh, a reason for that. Yeah, yeah. And then we went down the road. We left Vix Berkwin as we mangled the name, and we headed yeah. down the road towards La Mottabois, and we stopped at, it is a lovely little cemetery, uh, Nieppe Bois, Rue de Bois. It's got a number of different names. But it's a World War One cemetery. It's a battlefield cemetery yeah. that obviously they, they put in there. Be, to, and and, and there's, there's 15 or 20 Aussies who were killed in this fighting we've just described. During the German Spring Offensive are buried there. A number of Brits are buried there throughout later fighting as well. But then, of course, what's the other special aspect of this cemetery? Yep, some uh, some of the casualties from 1940 are also buried in the cemetery. So the retreat got, to Dunkirk. Yeah, retreat to Dunkirk. So you've got a, a gambit of uh, things you can talk about. And uh, I took the opportunity to do uh, my famous uh, cemetery talk. Infamous. Uh, infamous, that's the word. Infamous cemetery talk. So we, we had a general chat about cemeteries, the creation of cemeteries, and the reason why they're there. So, yeah, g- great location. And the uh, only slight problem we had was trying to park the coach. The, the, the Commonwealth Gardeners were working there which was interesting because if you haven't seen them in operation, nice to see the Commonwealth War Graves Gardeners working, but they've taken up the whole parking space. So a uh, slight problem in, in, in getting us on and off the coach, but uh, worthwhile. Uh, I, I find this area quite sad, Pete, because of the 1940 connection. I just, I just feel for those blokes. We talk about Dunkirk and the great, the great achievement that it was getting 300,000 blokes off that beach and back to England and you know, saving the British Army to fight another day, and I, I do absolutely relate to that. But, um, oh yeah, Andrew's just made a good point, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but the, 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 the poor blokes who were selected to be in the mm. sort of the rear yep. echelon, the, the fighting retreat, trying to hold back the entire Wehrmacht while, you know, while the Dunkirk operation was underway. And they came right through this area. So when you see those young blokes in that cemetery, it's, it was a very a savage and a scary and a very lonely war for those men in 1940. And I, feel, I really feel for them when it comes through this area. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, one of my favourite spots to go uh, commemorating that retreat to Dunkirk is uh, Cassell. Uh, looks like Castle. Um, uh, it's a, basically a, a hill in the area. I think we've done the podcast on we it. Did. In the, we did um, the previous podcast. Yeah, it, in the past. But it's uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, and we could see that from where we were. So it's a, a very moving area and, uh, and one that I like visiting. And uh, and sadly, we also passed one of the massacre sites where uh, the British soldiers were 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 executed uh, by, by the Germans illegally. And uh, so that's all was very moving as well and after that we went to a site which we just picked because we were in the area we knew it was a special site and we knew that Andrew Bellamy who we're going to bring in now was on the tour with us and the absolute expert on these sites it was a German V1 launch site from the second world war I'm gonna we're gonna do a quick microphone juggle I'm gonna come around here A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. We're going to bring Andrew in because this was... Oh, you stay there, Pete. You stay there. We're just Sorry, we're just juggling around in the bar in Ypres. But it was, it was a, a fantastic site. So this, is where, this was a site that the Germans used to launch their V1 flying bombs, the terror weapons that I think something like 50,000 people in in the UK were killed by these weapons. It's just extraordinary. Some huge number anyway. But Andrew Bellamy, who's with us, has made this his, uh, his, his topic of expertise. He's very passionate about it. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me. It was great to have you there to walk this site, and it was a very well-preserved site. Um, what does it mean to you, Andrew, after you, you've done so much research, you've visited dozens of these sites? How many sites do you think you've visited? Uh, Two hundred. Two hundred. Two hundred of these launch sites, but it's just. Yeah. It was fantastic to walk this ground with you. And how was it to show people in the group? We basically handed the uh, the handed the mics over to uh, to Andrew and allowed him to, to to tour the site and share his expertise. How was it to go there with the group? It was very interesting. Um, the first thing is you have to start back at the beginning and try and build up the information so it sticks right um the group was good the um the site is very very well preserved um it is called uh, bois de hut Ries, the wood of eight roads i'm glad you said that andrew i couldn't say that <laughs> <laughs> it's between uh, hasbrook and Morbeck, uh, just north of the forest of niep where we did the cemetery visit um it was a german dispersed site um, that did not fire a weapon at London because it was knocked out by the Allies beforehand. Well, that was um, one of the key things I noticed about it, Andrew, was bomb craters everywhere, and even that in its own right. If we, mm. I mean, if, you know, I'm, I'm a war nerd. If I was going through a field and someone said, oh, that, 
that hole over there is a bomb crater from World War Two. I'd be pretty excited to see it in this wood, you know, this area that had been a V1 launch site and bomb craters everywhere. It's an extraordinary place. And they're everywhere. And yeah. they're everywhere. You, if you get off the concrete paths there, uh, you're up and down Hill and Dale, they're all over the place. It's, um, it's really, really, it's one of the best preserved and presented sites if you wish to come and see this sort of thing. Um, it is well worth the time to come and have a look. Yeah, I liked it. As uh, Andrew had a question from one of the clients, is uh, how many times was it attacked, and he could immediately, uh, quickly uh, look at it, look at his iPad and, and reel off the the list of, of number of attacks by what aircraft and and, and dates. So uh, it's great when you can actually do that, and so you can imagine these planes uh, dropping the bombs on the sites. Then it, it helps with your imagination of what you're looking at. So yeah, it was great. It, it really kind of opened it up to everybody. It was, it was an amazing sight from the first moments we were there because we walked in on a concrete path that you'd assume was just put in by the local authorities to enable tourists. But no, that was constructed by the Germans. And from then on, everything was thrusting you back into the Second World War, all these well-preserved buildings and the stories, and you brought the stories to life. Andrew, why, why did these sites, out of all the war sites you could visit in this area, why did these sites captivate you so much? It, that's yeah, good question, Matt. Thank you. Um, I don't know. I've this the area I've chosen to look at. Um, I I like the intrigue of what could have happened, what did happen, right, and why did it not happen. Uh, the the way that the Germans constructed these sites initially was not immune to being detected. Uh, so these sites were detected, um, bombed and disabled. The sites that actually fired at London right, were in, in many cases detected, but in some cases not detected, right? and they were a much more minimalistic um, expression of what was required. Here there are... Well, the site we went to, there were 14, 15 structures, right? The structures, the sites that actually worked, there were six or five structures, sometimes only three structures. Well, to me, it, it demonstrated German arrogance that they were going to, you know, dominate Europe and fire these things on London with impunity. And, you know, there, there seemed to be a lack of foresight that as soon as they started laying huge areas of concrete, the Allies would notice them and bomb them to oblivion. But you describe. I thought there was something really interesting, Andrew. You described it as a game of cat and mouse. That the Germans were trying to build these sites, and it took a long time, obviously, to build a site. Mm. They were trying to build them under the noses of the Allies without them detecting them, yep. so that they could fire on London. And at the same time, the Allies were desperate to to spot these things from the air and and and, and bomb them off the face of the earth. So it was a game of cat and mouse, where both sides were trying to get to, get ahead of the other. Yeah, c- correct. Um, the site that we went to today, Bois de Hutruz, uh, was acknowledged by the Allies as a, a weapon site in December '43. We had to have been started construction at least September '43, three months ahead of time. Right? It was begun to be attacked from January and was attacked through till May '44 and knocked out at the end of April. So you have 19 raids there, uh, which the second last one actually disabled the site. 
But again and again, air crew were going back to attack these sites. No effect, send them more. No effect, send them more. And all of a sudden, yes, thank you, we've got, the, got it um, stopped. It doesn't tell the other story, side of this story is those air crew were being lost at that time as well. Right? So each time someone went across to do an attack, there's the ability to lose your attackers. Right? And that story all the way through is a progressive thing. I think uh, from my point of view, I've been uh, with Andrew on many of the, uh, um, his expeditions to research and, uh, and to go and look at uh, V1 launch sites. And the bit that I like is uh, I find uh, interesting and, and sad in many ways is, yes, the story of the Germans building them. And, of course, some of those builders are, in fact, uh, from, uh, from some of the camps, some, some of the labor camps, uh, the death camps uh, who were brought here to, to build them. So there's a story of, them, of the people that are building these, uh, these sites. And then there's the story of the civilians who, who sadly are lost in the bombing. So uh, it's one of the things that, that we, we quite often forget. We look at the combatants and what's going on, but uh, many civilians, also French civilians, killed when in the bombing raids. So we, I enjoy going with Andrew and actually trying to research those and bring those people back into the story. And then, as Andrew just said, of course, there's the air crew that are lost, many of whom lie in the little villages around the sites as well. So part of part of uh, uh, of what what, what uh, Andrew enjoys, and I certainly enjoy taking him around, is is looking at these uh, these these facets of uh, of the V1 launch sites, not just about the the actual firing and the, of the sites themselves, and of course the damage they will cause back in in Britain, but but the story of the building of them, of the, their destruction, and of, of the French people who had to suffer the the, the bombing campaigns to try and destroy them. I mean, Pete, you said the word story, and for me, having vis- having not visited this site before, this was my first time, it's a, such a rich story. We've got... I, I, I've lived in London. I've been... I've, see, I've sought out sites where V1 rockets crashed down and, you know, destroyed buildings in London. I've... You know, there's so many layers to this story. The Germans... I don't want to use the word respect because we can't respect the Nazis, but... The work that they did, you can appreciate the work that they did to produce these weapons in, was it an 18-month? Yeah. Monumental. Time span. Uh, monumental. To build this yeah. infrastructure. It's a it's a daring side of war, yeah. the idea that we've built this new technology, these rockets that we can fire. And it's horrific, but it's a new technology. It's a sort of cutting-edge technology. The The concept that you would build them and try and hide them in woods from the Allies... The Allied map readers pouring over aerial photographs trying to work out what's going on. Andrew gave us some fantastic accounts of how the aerial photograph, uh, you know, analysts worked out where these sites were. And then, you know, are the Germans going to manage to fire these weapons and what are they going to do when they land? There's just so many elements of the story. As you say, the, the local people, the terrible aspects of the slave life. It's an incredible story. It is, and I just love it when you get oddities on the tour in the middle of all of this. And I don't think Andrew even knows this, but we have one of the chaps on the tour is a photographic analyst. That was his military job, was uh, was uh, <laughs> yeah, was yeah, looking at photographs. And Andrew's getting excited at the, yeah, at the yeah. suggestion. <laughs> um, Pete, I want to ask you, um, this was my first time to the site, but you, you, you visit battlefields every day of your life. This one is a different sort of story. How, how do you feel 
about going to sites like this, like V1 launch sites, and how does it compare to where we are now, for example, only minutes down the road from Passchendaele or yeah. heading to the Somme? Well, I think it's all about, about human stories. It's about the people that were here and knowing those uh, those human stories, and that's the aspect of the battlefield. It doesn't matter where it is. Uh, it, it is the stories of the, the individuals that are there. I, I, and I'll just go off on a, a quick tangent. Please as, do. Uh, Where's I, the bell? As, Ring the bell. Um, ding, ding, ding. Big tangent. Uh, Andrew and I, on one of uh, one of our expeditions to visit V1 sites, came across a memorial in the mid of, middle of a paddock, in the middle of a field, literally. Uh, and we went across to go and have a look at it, and it was to a young uh, a young French woman who had been uh, killed uh, in in a, a bombing raid. Um, some uh, at the time when they're trying to take out the the V1 sites, and so we couldn't quite understand what was going. Why was it in the middle of the field and not obviously being cared for? And when we did further research, we discovered that the memorial was actually built by the Germans at the time. And she had been uh, regularly visiting, um, I presume that she had a boyfriend in, the, uh, in, in close to one of the V1 launch sites. And when she was killed uh, on a, her way going to or from uh, visiting probably her German boyfriend, then the Germans had actually built a memorial to her. But, of course, that's not really the done thing at the time, so uh, not looked after nowadays by, by the French. She, we found her on the local war memorial. She was on the war memorial as well, but that took some tracking down. Um, and then to discover the story of how she'd be, be... And that's what I love. It's those stories, those little stories uh, about the individuals and the people uh, in, in, involved in, in, in warfare and terrible times. So that's what I enjoy. It doesn't really matter where I am. It, it's those stories that, that, that we hopefully, as historians, bring to life for, for our clients. That is, that, that's an extraordinary story. I didn't know that, and that's a, an absolutely amazing story. You hear me putting my beer down at that, uh, at that story. Um, Andrew, have you enjoyed this first day of the tour? You've got another nine days to go. Have you, have you as, a, as a passenger on the tour, I mean, you were more than a passenger today. You were a key contributor. And you've done this tour before. Uh, how was this experience for you today? Oh, as always, Matt, excellent. This is this is. We're not the, paying him to say this, by no, the way. It's no, a genuine question. No, 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 I'm paying to be here. That's fine. <laughs> uh, uh, this is the tour to go on because the itinerary is great, but it's what you wedge in between that makes the difference. Right? We've. We can go. We follow the way the itinerary runs. And all of a sudden, there's something else that pops up. It's great. It's unexpected. It's un. Uh, it's. Would that be a tangent? <laughs> ah, <laughs> a two. A, a tangent. We should ring oh the bell. Oh dear, yes, it would probably be a tangent, right? But these ones are planned, and the the way the signature tour runs is it's what they want, what uh, Matt and Pete want to see and want to show to others that many people won't get to have a look at. Right. And it is well worthwhile doing. And I enjoyed last year, and I'm sure I'm going to enjoy this year. That was a, um, quite a quite a, a ringing endorsement. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, you can come on next year's signature tour if you want to. There are spaces left. Yeah, and I'll pay you later, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, gentlemen, I have to say, what a great first day. I can't believe it's only the first day of 10 days of out exploring the battlefields. Tomorrow, it's almost as if we planned it, Pete. It's the 4th of October tomorrow. Uh, the anniversary of the Battle of Broodseen Ridge in which Tynecott Cemetery, the most iconic site on the Western Front, that area was captured by the Australians. And we will be there tomorrow on the anniversary. Yep. Uh, exactly where the 40th Battalion was uh, was fighting, so we'll be talking about the 40th Battalion tomorrow. It's going to be a great day. It's always a great day when you explore the salient. And uh, it's going to be hard to top today, I've got to say. It was a great first, uh, first day of the trip. 
all of our new friends on the tour really enjoyed it, and uh, I, I, I'm you know I think we're going to find it difficult to top it, but we'll do our best. Um, but Pete, Andrew, thank you for joining me. I'm excited about what we will do tomorrow and the future days. Pete, this is our pledge to the listeners that we will do more podcasts. We fell by the wayside last year, but this time we will do more podcasts. I'm going to drag him down and make sure we do. Um, but just a great first day. I'm looking forward to the rest. Uh, certainly. Uh, um, uh, moi aussi. Oh, French. Yeah, it was French. Uh, Andrew, thank you for joining us as well. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, listeners. Uh, we'll uh, talk to you in the next couple of days uh, with more reports about our exciting time on the battlefields. Thanks for joining us. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.